0: Welcome back to The Lily Kate Show. Today, we're gonna talk about, drum roll please, what we always talk about, feminism, women, femininity, life, beauty, the pursuit of happiness, masculinity, and what it really truly means to be a pro-life woman. And we're not going to only hone in on that. We're going to also attack feminism while we're at it, specifically the brand of radical feminism and dissect a little bit how it has started to destroy and peel away at the healthy layers of a society. So let's just get straight into it. And my motivation for this, right? This show is called The Lily Cage Show. That doesn't necessarily tie me to an idea, but throughout 2021, I was really praying and reflecting on what is the issue that I want to be known for. Currently and effectively, I think I know what that issue is, which is fighting radical feminism with radical femininity, or you could say a new brand of fourth wave feminism. A mission that I have is I want to coin fourth wave feminism and take back the next wave of feminism for femininity, for traditional values, for marriage, for love, for life, for All things beautiful, all things true, all things good. An interesting product of feminism that I have started to observe not only in my personal life with my internalized feminism, but in culture and society generally is that feminism tries to make women lack self-control. This manifests in a way of behavior and interpersonal relationships. And what I mean by that is women who are typically more feminist, more boss girl, independent leaning and chasing after things that are traditionally have thought to be masculine is they lack self-control. And it's not in a way where they're eating a lot or not working out or lazy. While that is definitely a product for specific women and challenges that, you know, very specific women do face. But it makes them lack self-control in the way that we are given the ability to lash out. We are given the ability to interrupt. We are given and granted the ability and you know, the idea that it is our right to be disrespectful to a man or to another woman to be catty, to gossip. It gives us this false sense of superiority because we are allowed to have our attitudes. Feminism tells a woman that if anyone is trying to correct you, if anyone is trying to gently steer you on the right path, if anyone is trying to hold you accountable for that behavior that you're exhibiting, they are trying to oppress you. They are trying to put you back in the house and put you back in the kitchen and make you make a sandwich for your husband. That's not true, right? (laughs) You can hold someone accountable by not putting them back in a kitchen. You can hold them accountable lovingly, right? But feminists typically will have very bad attitudes. They are bitter, hateful, defiant. They deny the things that are good for them. They deny building a flourishing society. And as a result of this generally feminism has become a women supremacy movement and this is toxic because Christianity is the opposite of a supremacy movement in fact it's a full humility full self-denial movement and any movement of supremacy whether that be male supremacy white supremacy black supremacy women's supremacy gay queer people supremacy any sort of supremacy is what we should run from because we know that freedom and we know that individual rights and the rights that we are endowed by our creator don't change based on immutable factors about yourself. At least that would have been an obvious statement about 10 years ago. Now it's a little bit more debatable. But feminism has started to make women a completely untouchable class. We cannot be corrected. We cannot be held accountable. We cannot be interrupted. We are our own goddesses above all else. Our needs, our desires, our lives should be put above everyone else. And we know the product of this is not only, which we're going to talk about a little bit later with a very special guest, the rise of abortion and the rise of this pro-choice movement. It has also set the sexes at war. Women are turning against men and men are turning against women. this looks like is actually the UN um, the account on Twitter UN women posted a while ago this tweet that just repeated this sentence about three four five or six times it says quote there is no wrong way to be a woman and um, first of all I'm like obviously yes there is because if there is a category there is a way to not be in that same category as well so of course there are wrong ways to be women but the underlying idea and theme of this tweet is there is no wrongdoing when you are telling yourself that you're a woman. There is no way that you, the observer, the person with traditional values, you conservative insurrectionist, can correct um, a woman or hold her accountable for her actions to tell her how to to act. You have no right as a third-party observer or much less someone who cares About a woman like my parents or like your parents or your significant other or your friends, right? That is taking away Your right to hold someone accountable and we know that accountability Paul talks about it a lot in the Bible It is a very biblical idea. You not only hold one another You not only bear one another's burdens But you must hold each other accountable for things that are good and true and beautiful But feminism has started to turn women into an untouchable and superior class to men. And it's really interesting because obviously once you start inserting the word class into the arguments and into the political ideas that you're talking about, you have to be wary of Marxism because Marxism is the belief that society is only run by economic class system of the proletariat and the bourgeoisie and the proletariat would be the top they would be the people who own uh, the bourgeoisie would be the owners of the means of production the proletariat would be the workers the ones who are sold for labor also referred to as like I don't know the exploited masses right it's all creating a victim mentality but dividing anyone up by class is a Marxist idea a marxist idea and according to marx actually every society is divided among a number of social classes generally he will break this down only in the economic sphere and that's why we get ideas like communism socialism wealth redistribution but um he also emphasizes constantly and continually how those members of each specific class have way more in common than the other which means uh, with the other classes which means that 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 rub that it's kind of like Velcro, right? They don't go together. Uh, that's so stupid. One thing that he always emphasizes is how members of one class have more in common than with the different class, obviously. And, um, kind of how he justifies this is he says, those differences are going to grow and grow and grow until rebellion is fomented. And therefore we have the under, quote unquote, the underclass rebelling against the top class. And essentially that is the circle of life that this feminism now, this radical feminism is going through. It's not only... An idea that feminists are inferior, or women are, it's not only an idea that women are inferior to men, but that women should be superior to men, overthrow men, replace men, replace the patriarchy, and things like that. And I'm not the only one who agrees with this, because as we've emphasized, feminism creates a class of untouchable women, uncontrollable women, women who are able and given the liberty to lash out. Dennis Prager actually agrees with this.
1: So men need women. This is an old uh, statement to civilize them. Men are wild. Every man knows this. Men have wild natures. We are wild in terms of, of aggression and, and physical violence. We are wild in terms of sexuality. That's male nature. A good woman civilizes her man. That's one of the, the big reasons that a man needs a woman. Why does a woman need a man? Just as men have to battle their innate problems or Challenges, if you will, sexually and in violence, women have to confront their innate issues with, if you will, hormones, emotions. Men, a good man, and this is all dependent on a good man and a good woman, a good man helps focus a woman away from being dominated by her emotions. It should have been done when the woman was was a young girl. But most parents don't do this. They tell their boys to control their nature, but a lot of parents do not tell their girls to control their nature. There's this assumption, oh, she's so sweet, or she's a female, so she's she's not an issue like a boy is. And that's not true. She's as much an issue as boys are. In a nutshell, there are many reasons. The biggest reason, or one of the biggest, there is no biggest, is that we literally need each other. We become better with the other.
0: Basically, the way to break down Marxist class system is there are exploiters and the exploited, or there are victims and victimizers. And basically, anyone who is male in this new Marxist social hierarchy, anyone who is white, male, and Christian will fall into the exploiter category. And anyone who is basically not, at varying degrees, will fall into the exploited. And feminism totally profits off of the idea of women being exploited by men. And that is why Marx and this this influx of Marxist ideas in feminism have been really pushing for the women's supremacy movement. And as as I mentioned before, this Marxist ideology is only focused really on the financial outcomes of all these different people. It's not focused on the spiritual outcomes. It's a completely utilitarian industrialized system and way of thinking and actually when it talks about the lower classes quote-unquote revolutionizing and and throwing a rebellion against the quote-unquote upper classes or the people who own the means of production he emphasizes that the revolution would be led by quote enlightened leaders end quote known as the vanguard of the proletariat who understand class structure of society and who would unite the working class by raising awareness and this is really where we get you know the martyrs, the martyrs of choice, the women who went out and take abortion pills at a a pro-choice march in defiance of life, or people who are like St. George Floyd, who have sacrificed themselves, who are the martyrs. Those are the people that are meant to show the, quote, oppressed working class that they are oppressed and should foment a rebellion. But this worldview is inherently focused on maximizing profits and I'm going to make the connection between this and radical feminism and how it's hurting women in just a second. Business owners, they like to say, have the incentive to get the most out of their work of their laborers by paying them the lowest possible wages and this creates an unfair imbalance between owners and laborers whose work they exploit for their own gain and sure people are incentivized to pay their workers lower but what happens when your workers leave and go get a higher paying job and you can't keep workers because you're paying them too low, thus where the the principles of free market and capitalism come in because competition will always make people strive for excellence. But Marx always emphasizes the power relationship between capitalists and workers as inherently exploitative and would inevitably create class conflict. And so how this relates to feminism is we know that our society has started to become more industrialized, more focused on work, more focused on finances, more focused on getting women into the workplace, more focused on we have to have a certain number of women in the workplace to prove that we are diverse, to prove that we are equitable, to prove that we are part of modern society, that women shouldn't be oppressed in the home. We know that women, women in general, and the idea of what it means to be female, woman, feminine, that idea is so closely linked to beauty. And I've talked about this extensively in the past. Women are so close to the heart, the part of Jesus's heart that represents beauty, that searches for beauty, that inserts beauty. And along with beauty, you get this idea of life and not just bringing life into the world, being able to give birth and nurture children. While that is a fundamental and a huge part of being feminine, being a woman, What I mean by bringing life into something is that we bring flowers, right? We bring throw pillows. We bring candles. We turn a house into a home. We put together food and we make it presentable for other people. We build communities. You know, I truly believe that without women, we'd have no such thing as community. All we would have are companies and corporations. And even within the context of companies and corporations for women who are in the workplace, which, of course, is not a bad thing they bring community, they bring life, they bring laughter, they bring fun, they bring smiles, they bring gifts, they bring events, and they pull events together, they foster that community in a workplace that can often benefit the workplace culture and crack the culture code and and deliver really excellent profits. I know tons of professional women who are vital to their workplace because of the life that they bring, right? Femininity is so close to beauty, to life-giving, to bringing life and inserting life into situations. Masculinity builds, right? Masculinity builds societies. They build structures. They build things. Femininity comes in and inserts life into exactly what those structures are. My 2022 mission, I don't know if you guys saw this on my Instagram, but it really is to come up with and discover together what a definition of true femininity actually means because I do believe that most of our societal problems would be fixed if women actually started embracing their femininity. I want to really emphasize on what femininity is not. Femininity inherently is not utilitarian. Okay, I'm gonna say that again and I'm gonna explain what I mean. Femininity is not utilitarian. It is not for profit. It is not for financial gain. So, this Marxist ideology that we're only focused on profits, only talking about wage gaps, only talking about the economic theory of how the world quote unquote should work excludes anything to do with beauty and femininity and women and utilitarianism looks to use everything for profit for financial gain for a end purpose that is solely a material Um, purpose. So if we're talking about the workforce, you just look for people to do the work and then you drain them. Utilitarianism has no place for the spiritual aspect of people. And this can cut both ways, but more specifically, I want to emphasize on how this has impacted women. Beauty is a very spiritual thing. Beauty cannot be used to uh, maximize profits necessarily. Beauty is not something that you profit off of. Femininity is not something that you can quote unquote make money off of obviously there are exceptions to this rule and this is just a general rule of how you use the idea of beauty but beauty in and of itself is not something that is to be used only and solely for profits. It is for satisfaction of the soul. It is for satisfaction of the spirit. It is to give us life. It is to give us reason. Beauty is a wonderful thing that recharges the soul, the mind, the heart, the spirit. But utilitarianism has no room for anything spiritual. And so with this rise of utilitarianism and feminists, and this rise of radical feminism and feminists really trying to emphasize why women are better better in the workplace than they are in their communities, helping raising families and doing all these wonderful things. Those ideas have started to drain women of their beauty. And I don't mean physical beauty. Of course, that's an aspect of it. But the spiritual application of beauty and what women can bring to the world. Utilitarianism and this emphasis on material things only drains the immaterial part of a woman, which is her beauty, her spirit, her ability to give life, to insert life into situations. And as I said, masculinity builds, femininity inserts life into and also inserts beauty into. But women who are obsessed with competing and comparing themselves to masculinity, to men, to use their femininity to drive profits, to erase their beauty and replace it with board meetings and bitter conversations and trying to compete with what men are building, that drains her and that is one of the reasons why feminism seems to be such a good thing is that it's confusing the natural mission of each of the sexes. Radical feminism with its emphasis on profits, emphasis on the workplace, emphasis on building things that men can't build and competing over men, actually first removes the inner spiritual beauty of a woman. So as we can see here, the natural conclusion is utilitarianism creates feminism. Feminism drains a woman of her beauty because of its emphasis on the material And the emphasis on the physical and emphasis on the utilization of everything to maximize profits. And that, of course, is a Marxist ideology. Using everything for profits and breaking down everything to do with class, spirituality, or effectiveness due to profits. And then, if you just insert conflict and class struggle between them, then of course you're going to get chaos. Of course you're going to get a rebellion. So all that to say, please join... (laughs) My mission of in 2022 of figuring out what femininity means and what true womanhood actually means. And of course, there are wonders and beautiful things in life-giving purposes of what femininity is, but there's always going to be something that we need to search for. Now, another 2022 mission that I have stumbled across and have been seeing boil up over 2021 is actually the pro-life movement. There is rumbling and shaking and radical things happening in the pro-life movement. And here I have a social media associate with Live Action who is working to change the hearts and minds of our culture regarding abortion. Her name is Sammy Parker. Sammy is an incredibly well-spoken a very gentle but also very matter-of-fact woman I've seen so much of her content on the live action Instagram account the um, on social media and she is really truly She's really and truly one of the women who I believe is going to be the most impactful in changing hearts and minds in this pro-life Sector of how pro-life and life affects women and how women need to be the champions of life So here's our fun conversation Sammy Parker, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for coming. I am so excited for this conversation. So I'm just going to get straight into it. What do you think in the pro-life movement and defending the unborn, right? What do you think is the most convincing argument that we have on our side?
2: Well, I think there, obviously there are so many, um, so many convincing arguments to use, but the one that I almost always end up going back to, it's kind of the foundation of every single pro-life argument for me and for a lot of pro-life apologetics is that killing innocent human beings is wrong. Every abortion ends the life of an innocent human being. And so therefore abortion is wrong. Mm, That's so good.
0: Mortality rate is a hundred percent every single time. So why should this be a procedure? I think it's so powerful because also it not only just asserts that there is a third person, but it asserts the um, humanity of that third person. And we need to relentlessly appeal to the humanity of, you know, babies and stuff, because that way we'll never be able to get anywhere if we don't. I recently posted a photo on my Instagram and the quote at the beginning was, instead of shaming or demonizing their opponents, we need to humanize them and relentlessly appeals to their humanity. And that's from the book, The Coddling of the American Mind. And I think that argument does a fantastic job of appealing straight to that.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: So the next question I have is, obviously, you are a mover and shaker in the pro-life movement. You will always be on the front lines. Like You're just about to go to the March for Life in Washington, D.C. So jealous. And you are involved with live action. And you're pretty much at the front lines of whatever whatever is happening at the pro-life movement. So in your opinion and your associate's opinion, what is the most exciting pro-life um, advancement or achievement or rumbling coming up in 2022?
2: So 2021, as I'm sure you know, was huge for the pro-life movement. I think totally. it's 106 pro-life legislation pieces were passed in 2021 alone, which is the highest number that we've ever seen since Roe v. Wade. Uh, But 2022 is looking really promising. Without a doubt, we have the most important Supreme Court case related to life in 50 years. And that case is Dobbs v. Jackson, which we are very confident that it will overturn Roe v. Wade. You know, 50 years ago, when the court issued Roe v. Wade, they lied to us and they said that there is this right to an abortion in the Constitution, which is absolutely not true. Overturning Roe will then allow communities to protect life, to fully protect life for the first time in 50 years, which is monumental.
0: And not only if they possibly, you know... Come up with the decision that we want it's not going to completely like outlaw abortion which is the necessary end of course and what we're pushing for but it will allow the states to make decisions um and regulate abortion from the state level and already um actually this is cited from an actual post from live action 26 of the states in the u.s are having trigger laws and what trigger laws are and texas actually passed this where i'm i'm from In the most recent session, what a trigger law is, is it says if Roe is overturned, then we will immediately ban all abortion in the state. And so the majority of states actually have laws that if this happens, then this law banning all abortion will go into effect. Whatever happens, this could 2022 be the most pro-life year of legislation beating out 2021 um, by miles and miles. But, of course, you can't have a successful 2022 without a ground-shaking 2021.
2: Right. Yeah. Our 2022 is – it's huge. But And it's – like, obviously, if Roe were to be overturned, it's something that we should absolutely celebrate. But, yeah, like you said, our fight in the court isn't over until – The Supreme Court has granted protection and the right to life to all all preborn children, regardless of what state they are in. So like you said, we'll see a lot of pro-life states banning abortion. But until the Supreme Court interprets the 14th Amendment correctly and grants the right life right to life to preborn children. Um, We still we still definitely have work to do. Yeah. And the
0: fight never stops because you can't just pass a piece of legislation and say it's good because probably Mm -hmm. the next next session, someone will introduce legislation that undoes the legislation that you passed. So like even even more to emphasize that the fight is absolutely never over and um more people are getting red-pilled, more people are getting woken up. And I really do believe that the pro-life movement and any change that happens has to come from the women. It has to. We set the standards for a society, we set the social and cultural standards. Um, and we keep social and cultural, I guess you'd say, organizations or taboos, right? We keep those going. We uphold those. And if we don't start really working on in the field of abortion and in the field of advancing the pro-life cause, then it's not really going to happen because abortion is because of weak men and weak women allowing and having their standards taken down. And so we, you and I, you know, we have to start really pulling those standards back up and saying, no, we're going to have better, better standards than Mm -hmm. murder out of convenience. So, I guess like bringing this to a practical level, obviously sometimes, right. We look at these cases that are going to the Supreme court, the highest court in the land. And you, you're young. I'm young. People listening to this podcast are like probably around our age as well. And it can feel so, um, you know, Mm -hmm. we believe what we believe and we want to help in any way possible. What we can't really, you know, I'm not going to take a a court to the Supreme Court, like what? (laughs) But so in your opinion, what do you think is the most actually effective personal involvement that Gen Z can have um, when we have such a burning passion to advance the pro-life cause?
2: Overall, the question is if if we do not stand up and change the culture to be bold in our activism for the pre-born, then who will? A few, a few things that I have for people who want to be involved or who want to really try to change hearts and minds on abortion um, is to get involved on, first, your social media, because I think that's the easiest thing to do. Um, you have a voice regardless of your follower count or regardless of whether you think you're an influencer or not. You absolutely are. I would say to share pro-life content like live action or other pro-life organizations, start conversations. And above a lot of things, be willing to lose a few friends and followers. Um, You absolutely will. But every single friend that you lose will be worth the lives that you could save or the minds that you could change. So that's number one. Number two is to go into your community. It takes a village. That That whole saying is absolutely true for mothers in need and for children in need. So volunteer at pregnancy resource centers. Start a donation for pregnant mothers at your church um, advocate outside of an abortion facility. We can't, we can't only sit behind our phones and advocate like that is a huge part of it since social media takes up so much of our lives now, but that can't be the only thing that we do. We have to be on the front lines. And then on top of all of that, or I guess the root of all of that is to just make sure that you're learning and doing your research and understanding what abortion is, Um, it's okay to mess up. I'm sure you and I and a lot of other people have messed up in an in argument between a pro-abortion person and yourself. Um, but that just shows you what you need to learn next and what you what you need to go to and research. Um, so overall, you just need to be well-informed and well-prepared and go and fight the fight and do the work that that needs to be done. Mm, oh,
0: I just want to reemphasize what you said about the losing followers aspect, right? You yeah. may lose followers, but that – pales in comparison to the lives that you could possibly change with one post, one conversation that you initiate with someone who falls on the pro choice side of the aisle. So that's a beautiful exactly. a beautiful way to think about it because in the moment it's hard to lose friends, it's hard to lose followers, yeah. but sacrifice yeah, we have to is. make. The point about getting involved in your community, right? The reason why abortion is so rampant is because women are social creatures, right? We love our friends. We love our communities. We need our families. We want to build and create families like we, that is a woman's highest calling. I mean, yes, of course you can build a company and you can, you know, achieve all of the, your wildest dreams (laughs) in the world, but truly like our God given highest calling is to have and foster a beautiful family. And that's such a great, a fun goal to have. But when we feel as if we're isolated and alone, that is when we turn to leftism. That is when we turn to lies. That is when we start to doubt the things that we know. And that ultimately is why we choose to take a life because we're scared and isolated and we find it inconvenient. We find it too much of a task to be able to um, live with the thing that has happened to us. Right. And so the best way to fight against abortion and this is just from my personal experience and involvement as well, is community, right? Mm-hmm. Just to really po- hone in on exactly what you said, it takes a village, like you said. And there's nothing more true than that because you're not just raised by your parents, you're raised by your parents and your friends and your parents' friends and your cousins and everyone that you meet and everyone you observe You know, when you're going shopping in the mall. Um, and so if you don't have that community, And we are not providing that community for moms and children in need. Then abortion is going to continue to happen in back alleyways, in the dark, in the shadows, and people are going to feel ashamed. Um, But community really truly is a way to fight a lot of these, these very toxic and cancerous social issues, but at at the crux of it all, that issue is life. Um, And we can make a lot of advancement with community. That's so good. Well, Sammy Parker it has been wonderful to talk to you. I hope that we can have you back on very soon as a guest, maybe, maybe in the summer after you know what <laughs> case is uh, decided, and our ho- hopes are the yeah. highest for that. Yeah.